well, hey, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers at Regency. I just wanted to thank you for checking out this message. We're praying that God uses this message to draw your heart closer to Him. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we want to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you'd like to find out more information about Regency or to check out some other resources, visit our website at regencycc.org. Well, did you make it? Did you make it to Wednesday, January 20th? I wasn't sure if we were going to make it. You might have been unsure if you were going to make it or not. As a big day, an important day. And the reason it was an important day is that January 19th is the day typically when New Year's resolutions fail. So January 20th is a pretty important day. What did you think I meant by January 20th? Anyways, and so it was an important day to get to, to make sure that you're still on track with whatever goals you had set for yourself. Because a lot of people, a few weeks into it, end up failing. Now, there's different studies out there when people fail on their goals for the new year. Some say you need to do it for 21 days straight. Some say 66 days. But oftentimes, what they find is that people do not make it that far. A few weeks into it, for whatever reason, they get discouraged, they get off track, and people's goals that they set for themselves don't end up happening. Now, this is not necessarily a goals lesson for today. The past few weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Make It Count. And this theme, Make It Count, is actually our theme for 2021 as well. And the idea behind it is that this past year, with as difficult as it had been, one of the benefits from it is that it has helped put things back into perspective has let us focus on and realize about what really matters and what's really important. And as we go into this new year, as we're in the middle of this new year, that we make a focus on making it count, make this new year count. And so oftentimes, though, when we try to make it count, when we try to focus on something that we want to change within our own lives, we have great intentions and we really go about it maybe the right way. But what ends up happening is that a few days into it, a few weeks into it, it doesn't. And we fail, we mess up, we fall behind, we look around and we see that the progress isn't where we want it to be, and we get discouraged by that. A couple weeks ago, I looked at the book of Haggai, and we looked at Haggai chapter 1. Not a book that maybe we spend a lot of time in, not a book that I have spent a lot of time in, but in Haggai chapter 1, what we found is that the people of God were going to be rebuilding the temple. And one of the things that they needed to focus on was choosing to do the difficult right over the easy wrong. And today what I'd like to do is I'd like to pick up where we left off and continue in the book of Haggai. And so if you want to flip in your Bibles there, it's towards the end of the Old Testament. We're going to be in Haggai chapter 1. Now, a little background on this. The people of Israel, they were conquered by Babylon. And the reason that they were conquered is because they had broken their covenant with God through idolatry, and through injustice. In the book of Haggai, it was written 70 years after this exile, after, um, and what it recounts is their experience of coming back to Jerusalem. And they're led by a couple of men, Joshua and Zerubbabel, who had returned with the people to rebuild in Jerusalem. And so in Haggai, Haggai has this prophecy that came at a time when the people of Judah were extremely vulnerable. They'd been humbled by their exile to Babylon, but also hopeful in their return to the promised land. But then almost immediately after being hopeful, they returned to being discouraged because of the opposition they faced and rebuilding the temple that they had to quit. 
And so they get back home. 16 years go by, and things are not where they should be. And Haggai comes into the scene, and he blames their lack of success, their lack of things being where they wanted them to be, on their failure to rebuild the temple. And the Jews were receptive to this message of rebuilding the Lord's house. Now, I'm going to unplug this mic, actually, and just go from the mic up here. So, look at Haggai chapter 1. And in Haggai chapter 1, we get this. I'm going to start in verse 12. The slides say verse 13 and 14. Here's what it says. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people who obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the Lord. So that's verse 12. Now let's look at verse 13. It says this. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. He says, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. And so what seems to be the motivating factor here is Haggai is pointing out to them, listen, you can do this because God is with you. And he has this message for the leaders, for Joshua and Zerubbabel, and he all, which is a fun word to say, and he also has this message for the people. You can do this. You can accomplish this task. And the reason that you can do this, the reason that Haggai knows that they can do this is because God is committed to being with them. And so what happens is they get this message. The people are receptive to this, and they begin rebuilding. 23 days after getting this message, they begin rebuilding the temple. Now, rarely does a prophet's message produce such a quick response. Rarely does a prophet's message find it where the people take the words and they quickly put it into action. But here they do this, and they begin rebuilding. But what so often happens is they start to do something, they get motivated and a little time goes by, and they begin to get discouraged again. And so what happens here is that one month goes by, and they stopped building. And they're feeling down about the progress. And so Haggai comes back, and he has a second message for them. And they get together, and there's this religious festival. And they gather around, and they look at the temple they've been working on, and they are totally embarrassed. They feel shame. They see that this temple that they've been working on doesn't look anything like Solomon's temple. And so what started with enthusiasm just a month later has really stalled out. Does that sound familiar? Where you commit to doing something, maybe at the beginning of a year, and you decide, you know what, I'm going to make this change my life. I'm going to make this change within my family. I'm going to commit to doing this. And then a few weeks later, maybe by January 19th, or a month later, things are not where you hope that they would be. If you notice that at the gyms, parking lots are full right outside of gyms. Wait till February or March, right? There'll be a lot more open spots. If you think about debt, maybe you have a goal of getting out of debt, and so you're really motivated to do that, but then end of January comes and those credit card bills maybe start coming in from purchases made around December. Or maybe there's a diet, you really wanted to get on track with your diet, but then, you know, a few weeks into it, you're walking through Publix, and those double-stuffed Oreos are BOGO, and you're like, man, I such a good deal. It's hard to pass that up. And what ends up happening is we fail and we mess up and we make a mistake and we get off track. And sometimes that failure or the thought that we might end up failing ends up becoming more of a motivator than recognizing 
that God is with us as we're trying to make a change. And so what Haggai is trying to remind them, what God is trying to remind the people through Haggai is that you can do this. You can rebuild this temple. And you can do it not because you're so skilled or so amazing. You can do it because God says, I am with you. There's this famous uh, comic strip. You may have heard of it. It's called Peanuts. And it's about Charlie Brown. And there's this exchange between two of the characters, Linus and the lovable loser, Charlie Brown. And Linus comes up to Charlie Brown and he's really excited. And he says this. He says, Charlie Brown, I just saw the most unbelievable football game. What a comeback. The home team was behind six to nothing with only three seconds to play. The quarterback drops back. He avoids some tackles. He makes a a throw. The wide receiver catches it. He avoids some tackles and he scores a touchdown. And the whole crowd goes crazy. The extra point is kicked and they won the game. And the crowd rushes the field. Everybody's hugging and cheering and laughing and laughing and they're rolling around on the ground. It was awesome. And then Charlie Brown responds to Linus and he says, How did the other team feel? And so for Charlie Brown, what happens with him is he hears this story and he doesn't connect with the people that are successful. He immediately thinks about those that have failed. And I think one of the things that's interesting about Charlie Brown and and the creator of Charlie Brown talks about this. The creator of Charlie Brown, Charles Schultz, says that Charlie Brown must be the one who suffers because he's a caricature of the average person. Most of us are much more acquainted with losing than winning. And I think, I think this is something that we can connect with. That oftentimes, when we think about a situation, we don't assume that we're going to be victorious. Maybe, especially if we've felt failure in our life, if we've tried something multiple times and we just are not able to do that, we assume that this is going to be the case. And so for Charlie Brown, he connects to failing. You might be someone that connects with that as well because every time that you try and start to do something that you know you should do, you end up getting discouraged because it doesn't go the way that you think that it should. Sometimes our connection to losing and failing ties us directly to feeling discouraged. And maybe we even start strong. We have a great first week. We are really good at that first week. But then a setback comes, discouragement sets in, But we see it happens in Haggai is that the word of the Lord comes again to Haggai. And God says and asks them this in Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. Here's what it says. It says, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? And so there's a couple ways to view this verse here. You could view this as, hey, there are some people in this group that remember what it was like before. And maybe those are the ones that are kind of being extra critical right? Hey, I remember how it used to be. It's not like this anymore. It was so much better before. Man, that temple that Solomon had, it was just incredible. There were gold and silver and jewels. But there's a lot in this group that maybe don't really remember what it was like. They don't remember what it was like before. And so that message of who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Maybe the answer there is that there's not a ton that are left from that. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? They may feel as they look at what they've done, and it may feel like nothing. But that's not the end of the encouragement that God is going to give. Sometimes we can feel discouragement when we're trying to do something, maybe something personally in our life, or maybe something spiritually as well. There's a couple reasons for this discouragement. One cause for discouragement may be comparisons. Man, the comparison trap is one that we can find ourselves falling into often. We compare our start with another person's finish or middle. I tell the teenagers in the youth group how thankful I am that I did not grow up in a time where social media was 
had this huge presence, right? I didn't have, like I may have known that I was missing out on things, but I didn't have these constant reminders that I was missing out on things. I may have known that I wasn't as great at some of these things that other people were, but I wasn't having these constant images showing me that that was the case. And it's tough now, but not just for teenagers. It's tough for adults to constantly, as we're laying in bed looking at our phone, as we're sitting at the table and we pull our phone out, we're seeing these constant comparisons of how great everybody else is succeeding because that's the things we're going to post, right, as our successes versus how I am in my life today. And so we fall into this trap of comparison. And this was the same problem that the people that Haggai was talking to were finding. They were comparing their temple that they had worked on to what it was like before. And it didn't add up. It wasn't impressive. We live in a world of comparison. Second cause of discouragement is a lack of progress. You start working on something, start building something, and then it just doesn't go like you expected. You encounter some problems, maybe some opposition. Maybe you fail and mess up. Maybe you start a diet or you start something new. Or maybe you try to, to work on your Christian walk, but you find that maybe it's not going as well as you thought. You still find yourself losing your temper or being jealous or being too critical. And so you get discouraged by that. You want to give up. Maybe you tell yourself, you know what, maybe it's not really worth all this trouble. Well, God continues his message to this discouraged people in Haggai chapter 2 verse 4. And he says this, and I love what he repeats over and over again. He says, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. Simple two-word message from God. Be strong. And he tells the leaders to be strong. He tells the people, be strong. Be strong, declares the Lord. And then he adds to that a second part to this message. Be strong and work. And then he says on top of that, he says, be strong and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. You see, Judah's people had returned to worshiping God, and God had promised to bless their efforts, but it was time, it was time for them to work. We must be people of prayer and Bible study and worship, but eventually we've got to get out and do what God has in mind for us. God intends for us to change the world through us, and God has given you a job to do in the church or at your place of employment or in your homes. And the time has come to be strong and work because God is with you. And so in those moments where we feel like quitting, we feel like giving up what we have committed to, there's a couple messages here from God. One is be strong. Two, do the work. For God is with you. Haggai remains largely unique among the books of the Old Testament prophets. And it's for one key reason. The reason why the book of Haggai is so unique is that the people of Judah listened. They listened to what God had said. Haggai's message to rebuild the temple to rebuild the temple was passionate, it was simple, it was straightforward. No one could mistake whether or not his direction had been followed. The evidence of it would have been obvious for everyone to see. And so through this physical act of rebuilding the temple, the people began to indicate a shift in their spiritual life. It was a shift from their devotion to themselves to a devotion to God. And so Haggai has this important message for the Jews who had returned from exile. They had forgotten their God. They had chosen to focus on their own interest. And it was time for them, as Haggai says in chapter 1, to consider their ways. 
Nothing was more important for the Jews than to show that the Lord was at the center of their thoughts and actions. And so Haggai directed them to finish rebuilding God's temple. However, rather than leaving them alone with this task of rebuilding, Haggai continued to preach to the Jews. He continued to encourage them with hope of future glory in the temple and a victory over their enemies. And so in those moments where they feel like giving up, in those moments where we feel like giving up, the encouragement here is to don't, to stay strong, to keep working, to keep putting one brick at a time, and even when it doesn't seem to be making a difference, to continue doing the work. Sometimes just that idea of taking this next step, of doing the next thing that I need to do, can almost be overwhelming. So in my first few months of marriage, my wife and I decided to go out and have a celebration dinner. And so we went to the place that you go when you celebrate. We went to go eat hibachi. And so we went to this hibachi restaurant. And if you've been to hibachi restaurants before, you sit at this table with a bunch of strangers and there's this chef with a fancy hat and he cooks you your meal in front of you. And it's kind of like dinner and a show. So it's like a two for one. And so we're sitting here for our hibachi dinner and this chef, chef is amazing. I mean, he is doing all kinds of tricks. He's making the onions into this choo-choo train, and he's flipping shrimp into his shirt pocket, and it's just incredible. And he's also, like, really funny, and so he's talking to us, and he's asking us questions. And at this table with the eight of us here, we don't all know each other, and so he asks us the question that you ask when no one knows each other, and it's, what do you do for a living? Now, what I've realized is, as a minister that worked at a church, when you tell someone what you do for a living, usually one of two things happen. One, it completely kills the conversation, and it makes it really awkward. Second thing sometimes that happens is they want to share something about their own spiritual experience, and so they'll talk about growing up in the church or going to church with their grandparents or something along those lines. But this guy had a different response. And so I'm the last of the eight people. He gets to me. He asks me what I do for a living. I tell him that I'm a minister at a church. And he pauses, and he says, you know, that whole church thing, Jesus thing, I've been meaning to try that, but there's a few things that I need to get right in my life first. And I hear him say this, and I'm kind of nodding my head like, oh yeah, but in my head I'm thinking, no, like you've got this backwards. You've got this all wrong. The way that it works is not I get things right in my life first. I correct these things and fix them, and then I begin my relationship with God. The way that it works is you go to God and he works on your heart. You go to God first and then the change begins to take place. Jesus did not come for the healthy. Jesus came for the sick. He didn't come for those that had already have things figured out because none of us have things figured out. And so at this moment as I'm hearing this very talented guy tell us this, I get a little disappointed because he has it backwards. But how many times do we have it backwards? Do we think, you know what, I'm going to correct these things, I'm going to fix these things first, and then I'll go to God. That's not the way that it should work. And so what we have to understand is there is a step that we need to take first. We have to start. We have to begin this journey with Christ. And maybe that journey begins for the very first time for you today. You decide, you know what, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to be baptized into Christ and begin this journey of my faith with Jesus through baptism. Or maybe it's a restart. It's realizing, you know what, there's a lot of things that are not going right in my life, and I've been trying to fix all of them myself. And instead, I need to go to God first and correct it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, 
Paul writes this. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Sometimes the doing right and the doing good, especially when we feel like we're not doing right, not doing good, we can get frustrated by that. We, we put this effort into it, but it's not going the way that we want it to. We need to realize that we shouldn't give up. Continue to be strong and continue to work. And then last passage, this, in Haggai chapter 2, verse 6 through 9, God continues his message through the prophet. And he says this in verse 6. He says, this is a little lengthier. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory. So stop right there for a second. God is saying, listen, the glory that comes from this house, it doesn't come from you. The work that you've put into this temple, it's great, and it's what you're supposed to be doing, but the reason that this temple is filled with glory is because God's presence is there not because of the gold or the silver or the jewels. And he references that. He says in verse 8, he says, The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And then in verse 9, he says this, The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace. You see, God is telling them like, Yeah, the last temple, it was great. And you might feel like this temple is not as good as that one. But you're missing the point. The reason that the temple is great and glorious is because of God's presence being in it. The reason that the work that you do, the reason that the things that you do in life are great are not just because of what you do, it's because of God's presence found within it. The glory of the present temple will be greater than the one before. With the temple, temple is kind of a, a foreign concept to us in some ways. You used to go to the temple to make sacrifices to get to God. But now, in the present day, you are the temple. And God made the sacrifice of his son to get to you. And his glory living inside of us, that is what makes the difference. That's what allows us to live for him each day. So this morning, if you're feeling discouraged, maybe you've already gotten off track in living your life the way that you want to this year. Maybe you've fallen into the trap of comparison. Maybe you look around and you're disappointed in the lack of progress that you've seen in these first few weeks. The message to you this morning, the message from the prophet Haggai, is to be strong and to do the work because God is with you. This morning, you may need to start something today. You may need to lay that first brick and to take that first step. And so we want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're here this morning and you need prayers and encouragement from the body of believers that are here, or if you need to take that first step in giving your life to Christ and begin that journey with Jesus through baptism, we want to give you that opportunity as well as together we stand and sing.